Welcome to Change by Attraction, a podcast for people who want to change something in their organization. I'm your host, Esther Derby, author of Seven Rules for Positive Productive Change. I've been thinking lately about the sorts of shifts that can have a broad system-wide impact. Some are pretty straightforward, like if you stop doing a reorg every six months like clockwork, you'll probably avoid the dip in productivity that comes with it. Others are conceptually simple, like reducing the time spent on fixing work or failure demand. You automatically get more time to work on value work, and you've probably increased customer satisfaction and reduced stress and improved the revenue picture. Not that these changes are easy, but they can have a really big impact. The shift I want to talk to you about today is trust, particularly the trust that managers have in employees. Now, in response to having a huge chunk of the workforce go remote in 2020, many companies installed tracking software on company-owned devices, and some even required people to install software on their personal machines as a condition of employment. These programs track all the websites that employees visit. They count keystrokes. They tell which apps are open. Some of them snap screenshots. Some use facial recognition software. Some companies started listening in on phone calls and webcams to see and hear what employees and anyone else in the room was doing. The companies that sell this sort of tracking software market them as providing valuable insights about productivity. And they tell us that when bosses know exactly what employees are doing, then they can feel more comfortable. They can trust their employees. This is actually completely backwards. If you need to know what people are doing down to the number of keystrokes, that's not trust. In fact, this kind of intense supervision works against both trust and productivity. Intrusive monitoring, no matter what form it takes, in-person watching, demanding frequent status updates, detailed time reporting, electronic tracking... All of these indicate a profound lack of trust. And distrust creates its own self-reinforcing downward spiral. On the other hand, a 2002 study by Watson Wyatt showed that high-trust companies outperform low-trust companies by nearly 300%. Many other studies show the benefits that come from high-trust, like more sales, better retention, more effective collaboration, more innovation. There's less sick time. There's less shrinkage. It's good all around. Who wouldn't want all those things? And yet managers often act as if they don't trust. As Stephen Covey said, when trust is low, it acts as a hidden tax on every transaction. Now, studies show that to some extent, managers attribute employee success to their supervision, not to the employee's competence, their effort, or their character. And that becomes sort of self-reinforcing. Some managers believe that trust has to be earned, A friend of mine uh, started with a new boss who explained his trust steps. And the first step is that you have to ask permission to take action. And if your actions match what the boss would want, you go on to step two, which is you can inform the boss before you take action. 
And again, if your actions match what the boss would want, you go to step three in his trust ladder. You inform the boss after you take action. And if your actions meet approval, you've succeeded in earning his trust. You've proved that you'll do things exactly the way he would. But the boss has lost out on creativity and ingenuity and initiative. Here's the thing about trust. It's a big word, and people tend to give it huge importance. But I think we need to have a more nuanced view of trust. For many people, like my friend's boss, who got fired, by the way, the boss got fired, they believe that trust has to be earned and that it's binary. You only trust people after they prove themselves, which often means that they'll do what you tell them to or always do what you would do. But if someone screws up or does something their own way, trust gets turned off like a switch. But trust is not an on-off switch, and it's highly contextual. For example, you know, I trust the cab driver to get me to the airport. I'll hand him my credit card and watch him uh, process it. But I wouldn't trust him with my bank account number or my passwords. And most people recognize that sharing that kind of information in that situation would be inappropriate. It's outside the boundary of the relationship. I trusted my husband whitewater canoeing, but not with my laundry. That says nothing about his trustworthiness, only about his competence at laundering garments that require special care. Some people confuse trust with familiarity, so they only trust close friends and family members. I mean, this may be true for certain things like confidences and personal hopes and fears and you know, talking about you know, past trauma and all that kind of stuff, but that's not what matters at work. When it comes to the workplace, we don't need all pervasive trust or intimate trust. We need professional trust. That's the kind of trust that fits the context. It involves competence, commitment, and communication. So let's assume that companies hire competent people who are committed to getting their work done and won't intentionally withhold information. That people are acting to the best of their ability within their current environment. What might make people look less than competent? What sort of obstacles get in the way of people doing their best work? It may be that they lack the context to make a good decision, or they may be overconstrained. They may be tangled up in dependencies or need to get permissions in order to move ahead, but those aren't accounted for in the deadlines. They may get marked down in their review if they question deadlines or workloads. So they take on more than they can do or do well. It may be that people make poor decisions. Sometimes the process makes people look incompetent when it causes confusion or rework or slows down progress. There's lots of systemic things that get in the way of people displaying the elements of professional trust, even when they are indeed competent, committed, and want to communicate openly. So you may have to work on the system so that people can show up as competent because a bad system will defeat a good person every time, every single time. If people disappoint you by missing a deadline or making a less than optimal decision, get curious. You know, you might ask, how did the system contribute to that? 
Or if they come back with an assignment that's missing something essential, you know, you you may even ask how you contributed to that. Did you provide the context and, and state what the constraints were when you delegated the work? So all of this is simple, but not easy. Work on the system so people can show up as competent. Build trust by trusting, not blindly, but with appropriate boundaries. When people are treated as trustworthy, they generally show up that way. And that acts like a dividend all across the system. I'd love to know what you think about trust in the workplace. Drop me an email at esther at estherderby.com and I'll be back next month with another episode. <laughs>